Have you been feeling stuck, exhausted, and finding yourself living as a passenger in your own life? By giving away so much of your energy and power to everyone and everything around you. But you? Well, you are not alone. My name is Dr. Valérie Johnston Dugamin, osteopath, and I have been there too. After being burned out, exhausted, I decided to take control of my life and get back into my driver's seat. It wasn't easy though, but I did it. And you can do it too. In this podcast, I will share stories, invite guest speakers, and provide insight and tips on how to turn your life around and move back into your driver's seat. My guest today is Cassandra Trotsky. She was born in Argentina and came to Australia as a teenager. She's a versatile program and project manager with many years' experience in developing, delivering, and managing outcomes across a broad range of economic development and community programs and projects. She has also substantial small business knowledge, having been director of small business program for the state government Cassandra has worked across a range of occupations in the agribusiness, community development, welfare, teaching, and event management. She has two adult daughters and is engaged in numerous community projects. Today's conversation is about how to deal with being triggered by people, especially those close to you. Thank you. And welcome, Cassandra, to the Driver's Seat Club. Hi, I'm Cassandra, and I guess I should start by saying I've learned this the hard way. I have always been quite a quick sort of person. I'm an extrovert. I tend to think quickly. I like to get things done. I wasn't a particularly reflective person, and I used to be quite reactive. And over the years, I've kind of learned, I guess, partly the hard way, partly by trying to take on board some ideas that I've learned along the way on how not to be triggered. I sometimes think in pictures, and this is probably a good picture to explain it. I would find myself halfway down the slippery dip, the slide. I'd react to something and then halfway down I'd think, oh, oh, hang on, here we go again. I'm doing what I always did. I don't want to do it. But I was too far gone to be able to wiggle myself back up to the slide and not slide down. So then I just went down and behaved like I always did. And I decided that that wasn't what I needed to do. And especially with one of my daughters who we used to fight a lot. And, and it wasn't the content. It was almost like as soon as we came to each other, we'd react off each other. So, yeah, that's why I guess I've been working quite hard in learning how to not react like that. And what was the trigger for you? My daughter, my sister, people who are close to you are the hardest ones. Sometimes in a work scene, it can also be very hard because you get so angry, you need to deliver something and somebody's really messing up or whatever, and you kind of see red. But mostly, if you talk to most people, I think they will say that, in fact, it's people who are close to you that have that they kind of can know where to press your buttons and they don't even necessarily do it on purpose. It's just, it happens. 
you've got an old way of reacting and we tend to end up reacting the way we've always done so. So if you give a specific example where you were in a situation that you were very triggered and it challenged you, what example could you give? I think most people could relate to the fact that you go off into straight away, well, I used to try and fix things. If somebody came to me with a problem, I'd go, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? And that would upset some people because what they really wanted was for me to listen and be sympathetic and I wouldn't necessarily. I'd try and fix it. And it was out of kindness and I didn't do it because I I wanted to help them, but I saw that as a way of helping them. But it isn't always the best way. And uh, it's interesting because when you say it was hard, so what did you do to make it easier on you? I started doing a number of things and sometimes some things work better than others. I guess it depends on the situation. It's a little bit hard. But one of the things is I started to breathe much more. Okay. Things that do about breathing and I would try to breathe because when we breathe, the oxygen comes in and it actually physically changes the chemicals in our body and it gives us a little bit of a break from being totally in that adrenaline. So that helped. I did TRE with you, which also helped trembling release exercise to get the tension out of my body. But I also started saying to myself, I can't fix it. Don't fix it, feel it. So as soon as I would go into something, I would go, because it was my way of dealing with everything was to try and fix it. A lot of people would know this, especially men tend to do that. My husband used to do it to me and it would really drive me crazy when all I really was, I wanted was to whinge and he would go, well, why don't we do this and we do that? So I now have this little kind of mantra of saying to myself, don't fix it, feel it. By that, I kind of mean that there's an Aboriginal concept and an Aboriginal word that I've learned over some time doing work with women's groups, and that is called Tadiri, and it means deep listening, listening on two levels. So what you're doing is you're listening to the facts, to what they're saying, the words, but you're also listening to what are the emotions the person is bringing up and what are the emotions that are in you. And if you start to, I guess it's what people say to really listen rather than to hear. And I've been teaching myself to listen. And the Tadiri system helped because I could understand that, okay, I'm going to listen to them, hear the words and listen to them. But I'm also going to try and listen, like, is this person upset? Is it, what are they really trying to say? And how is it reacting to me? Why is it triggering me? And I had some really interesting examples. And one of them, my sister was complaining about something. She was being very a martyr. Oh, well, I suppose I'll have to stay and help. And we were doing something and it really, really triggered me. What she was saying wasn't that bad. She was saying, oh, well, I guess I'm going to help you and whatever. But it really triggered me. And then I started to listen. She was not happy. But when I listened to my thought about what it was with me, it was like my mother my mother was one of these people who was a very much a martyr. It was always like, oh, poor me. And I was the eldest daughter. So I would always end up doing what she wanted to rescue her. And my sister, not intentionally, was doing that to me. And in the past, I probably would have just got really angry and said, well, you know, we're all working hard, blah, blah, blah. But I was able to stop myself and realise what was going on and say, well, look, if you really feel that way, why don't you just go? And of course she didn't. I was quite proud of myself after so I thought, yeah, I actually realised that it was really making me feel angry at her, but I wasn't really angry at her. What I was hearing is my mother's voice, which used to trigger me. So that's another thing that I try and do. I try and do deep listening to sort of try and listen to what's 
people are really saying or where they're coming from. Now, not always, of course. Sometimes in the heat of the moment, I'm only human. I end up rousing and screaming at somebody. But those sort of things kind of help because it becomes not about them but you and why are you reacting to them. Okay. You know, it's that whole notion of very much the Buddhist teachings about it's how you react to things that really matters. And it's taken me a long time, I might add, but I'm getting better at doing that sort of thing. I'm getting better at being able to hear what they're saying or not saying, what the emotion is in that, and then realising that, yeah, okay. And sometimes it doesn't trigger anything in me, but I can hear it in them and I can sort of go, okay. And a lot of times less is more, I've learnt. So just make sympathetic noises, listen to them, ask them what, what the issue is, but not necessarily anything more than that. It's back to that whole thing about don't fix it, feel it. When you say that it triggers you, how could you describe that sensation of being triggered? I get angry. The first thing in my head was I became really judgmental, which I think we all are in our own way. We judge people all the time. It's part of how our shorthand of living. But I was really judgmental in my hand. I was thinking, yeah, well, I've come a whole lot of extra days. This is my, the script going on in my head. You've rocked up only now and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I hadn't been angry, but all of a sudden I was angry. But I was able to realize that, whoa, 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 this anger is actually not what she's saying. It's, it was all this other stuff. So, yeah, and anger is usually the biggest one that tends to be for people that trigger people. You tend to get, you get defensive. I think yeah. that's the big thing. Most of us, our ego, but we need to be liked. I don't know what it is, but we will often get defensive. Then we will bustle up and then they do and then both sides are, defensive and angry, then you're really not going to go very far in trying to resolve the issue. And I found that sometimes if you don't go down that road and you just stay very calm, very quickly the situation will diffuse. One of the things I kind of do to diffuse that and to be able to not get hooked up in that anger or whatever, apart from really listening to what they're saying, is I've created what I call my love library. It's like little short films in my head that of times when I was really joyful or love or whatever. So, for example, I used to boogie board a lot, like body surf, boogie boards. And one time I remember with two friends, we were having such a great time. We were being really silly, like kids. I was in my 30s, but we were like kids. And I got tubed, the wave came over me, and I was able to put my hand up and just feel the water running through my fingers. And I was in such a state of ecstasy. So that's one one little reel of film. Another one was after I had my first daughter. I was only two days after I was still in hospital and it was a really a full moon and the moon was streaming through the hospital window and she was breastfeeding on my breast and I was obviously full of hormones but the love for her that night was just, I was crying because it was so strong. It was love for my daughter. So when she gets I'm used to, we've got a much better relationship now, but when she would get really difficult and angry at me, I would try really hard to remember that little scene and not bite at her anger or her aggression or whatever. Those sort of things, times, you know, and we have a fluffy cat that we inherited that's really, really cute and very friendly. So I sometimes will think about her. Just little things that you've got that when you feel good and happy or particular part place in nature that really makes me feel good so just for those few seconds I can actually put myself in a better spot 
than the anger that's brewing up and coming up in me. And that is a way of kind of circuit breaking. I can't stay in it, but it's just enough to let me catch my breath, not necessarily react, watch what's happening and try and not give them reason to escalate the upsetness, whatever's going on. Okay, you say that the fact that you are now managing that quite well, that makes Well, I wouldn't say quite well. Probably about 60, 40. 60, yeah, 40, nah. Okay, okay. <laughs> you feel confident because when you feel like you manage that, so you're proud of yourself. Is that what you say? Yeah, but more proud of myself. I'm sometimes blown away at the results of it. Like, so for example, if somebody's really angry and upset and the world's terrible and they hate everything. And, and I mean, in the past, I would have tried to placate them and make them feel okay and whatever. And now I'm much calmer. Like I try and stay really calm. I say, well, it's really sad that you're feeling that way. And if there's anything you think I can do to help or whatever, a few times now, that's been enough to take the edge of that person so that within a minute or two, they'll calm down and they'll say, oh, look, I'm sorry. I just kind of blew off steam or whatever, which wouldn't have happened in the past. I would have tried really hard to make that person feel better and would not have succeeded. And now by virtually doing nothing in a weird way, apart from being sympathetic, but not engaging in solutions and simply if it's offering them to help if they can, and just being with them and being very calm myself, it brings down the tone of the thing. So it's not that I'm so much proud of myself. I've just been blown away at sometimes at how effective it can be. So how would you say that for women who are listening to what you're saying, being triggered, what advice would you give them? Apart from trying to do some of the things I've learned to do, but like, you know, so listen deeply like to Deary or what, what I call my love library. I think one of the things we need to do, and I don't think we do very well in our culture, although that's not true. Young kids are now learning. I mean, there's a lot of schools now where they have the rainbow colours and the kids have to identify what feeling they're having for the colours. Oh, and yes. so if things are getting a bit, well, we're in orange now, so we probably should just stop discussing this and see if we can fix it before we get to red. So it's happening more in schools now. But I think for our culture, a lot of the time, people are not very self-aware. We kind of need to be able to recognise where our feelings are and kind of where they've come from. And sometimes it's funny because if you ask, why am I feeling this way? And you're really honest, sometimes it's not what you think. It's like Say, for example, if somebody didn't turn up and they promised to turn up and stuff, I'm really angry about it, didn't come. But if you ask, well, why is that such a big deal to you? It might be that when you were little, your parents didn't turn up for something or you were often left out of things at school. And so it's sort of, okay, so that's an area in me that's pretty vulnerable. I just stumbled along and taught myself these things and, you know, I sort of have lived quite a bit of life already. But I think it's being aware, more self-aware. And I don't mean that in a way of constantly critiquing yourself, but just being aware of your internal life, like your emotions a bit more. So for some people, they may find that very challenging to do. So could you give any tips on how maybe one or two things that make it easier for them? People often say you should journal. And I always start off with good intentions but I never do it for a long time. I always, you know, I write down, I start off thinking, okay, I'm going to journal like what happened today and why I felt this way and blah, blah, blah. But, and for some people it works. I'm not patient enough. I don't know what the word is, but I don't necessarily always end up doing it, but that's a way for some people to actually write in a journal how what happened today. Just the fact of wanting to 
change who you are is a really good start. Okay. So even if you just become more aware how you react, and in the beginning it was like I went going back to the analogy of the slide, I would um, slide right down again and again, but I started recognising, oh, okay, I'm now in this pattern of behaviour. I'm going to come into the house. The house is a mess. Nobody's done anything I've asked them to. I'm going to be cranky. And I would, and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm doing it again. Yes. Why isn't that? <laughs> and it was too late. I'd already start, I'd said the why, you know. But yeah. over time, I guess I started to realise, and I was able to stop myself closer and closer to the top of that slide or before I launched into this tirade. So sometimes I would even get to the front door and just stop and take a few breaths and try and, okay, I'm not going to rouse on everybody because nothing's been done and the house is a turmoil and whatever. So, yeah, I think it's just becoming aware of your, your behaviours is a very basic first start. Once you're aware of them, then you can start to try and change them. That's very, very interesting. Thank you very much. And this podcast is really about women from everyday life that just talk about the way that they... yeah come a challenge and, and yeah. it's really, really interesting. And I'm sure there is people out there that may relate to what you just said and they may try one or two things or the example. Or create their own version of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I was fascinating with some of the tips that you gave and just the story behind it and how you managed to do that, to turn around and yeah. turn on things and make it happen for you. That's really good. And yeah. 60% of the time, you are doing it. You are on the right. Yeah, it's, a bit, you know, it's probably taken me seven or eight years to get here. But yeah. You did it. You, you're there. That's the most important. You're mm-hmm. there. Thank you so much, Cassandra, for taking the time to share you're your welcome. story. It's such yeah. a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Driver's Seat Club. Until next time, have a powerful day.